Hello there. This is Positive Psych Talk, talk with David Startouch, founder of Survivor to Hero. And uh, we're going to pick up today where we left off. We just finished Signpost 1. And today's about Appendix 3's How to Find a Therapist. So for those of you who haven't been uh, listening to the series, that's okay. You can actually just listen to this on its own. Um, and for those who have been listening and want this resource on its own, that's why we're doing it. So I found Steph, Dr. Stephen Joseph gave some fantastic recommendations about how to find a, find a therapist, various pitfalls, and but really what you should be looking for specifically for a trauma therapist. So we're going to go through that. And I really want you to also just understand that it's a process. You can try therapists on. If you don't like one, just try a different one. So it's a la carte, all right? Just uh, remember that little bit as you go through it. Again, my name is David Startouch, and here we go. Appendix 3 is basically some advice on seeking professional help. This appendix was intended to provide some general advice on how to seek professional help, who to seek help from, and what to be on the lookout for. It will be useful for people to uh, people seeking help for themselves, but also to family and friends who want to know more about the subject. So when to seek professional help. Feelings of distress, confusion, and disorientation are common in the aftermath of a traumatic event. If, however, your problems are particularly intense and upsetting and or they have lasted for more than six to eight weeks, it might be appropriate to seek professional help. The following is a checklist of various problems associated with the aftermath of trauma. In the blank line next to each item, write a yes if you agree with the statement or no if you do not agree. Now what I'm going to do, and I'm going to take you through this, and what I'd suggest is I'm going to read it, and I'm going to start reading these twice. You have a chance to kind of get used to the process of my voice. And then I'll just go down to reading it once and just write yes or no. So let's start with the first one. Feel overwhelmed and that I cannot handle my feelings and bodily sensations. I feel overwhelmed and I cannot handle my feelings and bodily sensations. Yes, if you agree. No, if you do not agree. And next question or next statement. I have no one to share my feelings with, but I would like to talk to somebody. I have no one to share my feelings with, but I'd like to talk to someone. Yes or no? Yes, I agree with the statement, or no if you don't. I feel numb and empty. Yes, if you agree. No, if you don't. I feel numb and empty. I feel tense, confused, and exhausted. Yes or no? I feel tense, confused, and exhausted. I have an unpleasant sensations in my body. I have unpleasant sensations in my body, yes or no? All right, I'm just going to go to reading it once now. I keep busy to stop myself from focusing on how I'm feeling. I'm going to read that one more time just because it's long. I keep busy to help myself stop from focusing on my feeling. Or I keep busy to stop me from focusing on how I'm feeling. There we go. I want to avoid thoughts, places, activities, and people who remind me of what happened. I want to avoid thoughts, places, and activities of people who remind me of what happened. I have frequent distressing thoughts and recollections about what happened. Yes or no? I have nightmares. Yes or no? I sleep badly. Yes or no? My relationships seem to be suffering badly. Yes or no? I have sexual difficulties that I didn't before. Yes or no? I'm drinking too much. Yes or no? My performance at work has suffered. Yes or no? And finally, the last one. I find it hard to concentrate. Yes 
or no? If you answered yes to one or more of these two items, and the problem is causing you to struggle with everyday concerns at home or at work, you might consider seeking help from a professional. So that was uh, from the Appendix 3 of this book, and I do highly recommend this book so you can follow along with the, with the process. Um, but for just for this section alone, you should be fine for this video. We're also going to talk about who to seek help from, as he has listed here, psychotherapist, psychologist, psychiatrist, clinical social worker, counselor, psychiatric nurse, clinical mental health counselor, certified professional pastoral counselor, marriage and family therapist. And uh, I'm going to talk about those briefly before we move on. Uh, so psychotherapist, the big, it depends on the state about how they would do the wording versus psychologist. So a psychotherapist in the state of Colorado is a mental health counselor, but you can also be a registered psychotherapist and not uh, be a licensed clinical mental health counselor. In uh, California, it's different. In uh, Maryland and Virginia, it's different. D.C., it's different. Okay, uh, now a psychologist is usually someone who's got a PhD, and it's a clinical psychology program. It'll be APA accredited. Uh, they will either have a PsyD or a PhD. PsyDs are often skilled in assessments, but they're uh, also very good at doing therapy. They're trained in both. And those are the doctoral versions. Now, I am pursuing a doctoral research degree in psychology, concentration in cognitive neuroscience and philosophy. That is more research-focused and positive psychology and humanistic psychology. It, my clinical degree is a master's level. So um, that's the difference, is they got their PhD and did them both. I knew I should have done something different. Okay. Uh, <laughs> a psychiatrist is a medical doctor. They can prescribe medications. Some of them do do talk therapy. Many of them do not. Uh, just so bear in mind. But they are experts and usually severe issues. So uh, they can give you some advice or referrals at the very latest, latest. Now, psychiatrists in America tend to be, or at least in Colorado especially, we are in short supply of psychiatrists. So nurse, nurse practitioners specialized in psych can be a special one. It'd be a good one. He mentions uh, psychiatric nurse here under counselor and social worker. Uh, psychiatric nurse, you'd want the nurse practitioner version, not someone who works at a psych hospital. Uh, psychiatric nursing is very different than nurse practitioner psychiatric focus, okay? Um, nurse, nurse practitioners actually have a doctorate and understand medications. Psychiatric nurses on therapist units give medications. They might know a little, but they're not necessarily trained at this level. Okay, uh, clinical social workers, these are fantastic resources. Now, a clinical social work, also if you're interested in the field, this is one of the best tracks to go into. I'm, I went to the mental health counselor track, but a clinical social worker can do casework. They have more resources into addiction and some other things. They have a very broad training. They're trained in therapy and others where mental health counselors are specifically trained in therapy. Then we have uh, counselors. Now, counselor and mental health counselor can be the same thing. Uh, just ask, did you check in with your state? I am an LPC, licensed professional counselor. It's the exact same thing as a, just what I want to call myself or a therapist as well. Uh, now some people can call themselves counselors, may not have the degree. So make sure they're licensed by the state if you're getting professional help at this level. Okay. So the next is, um, we talked about clinical mental health counselor to death. That option can be also addictions. The next is certified pastoral counselor. So... Pastoral counseling has different rules usually into each state. Their confidentiality is closer. Well, it's 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 
it's unique. So you're going to want to talk with them about what their confidentiality rules are. And their training is usually faith-based. Some of them go to the same level of schools that us therapists do. Others do not. It's, It's sometimes an intern program. So feel it out. Ask good questions. And we're going to get to those questions in a moment. And the next is marriage and family therapists. They really tend to focus on uh, relationship and marriage and family. There's so many different versions of this. Um, emotional field therapy, uh, emotion, EFT, emotion, not, not the tapping one, but emotionally focused therapy. There it is. Um, there's generational and marriage and family therapists are highly trained. It is a very rigorous program. Again, it's more for family systems if it's just one to one. But if you're, you know, if you've got PTSD in your family and you want to, your family might be part of the problem, or you want to include them to help on your healing. That's a great resource to go, marriage and family therapist. But make sure they're trained in trauma. Some of them are not, and that's very important. And so uh, now here's what to look for and the right questions to ask. Okay. So, some of the above-listed professionals may not be experienced working with traumatized people, so check the following. Number one, talk with professionals about their training and experience, their approach to therapy, what therapy entails, very important, and how long therapy is likely to last. Very good question to ask. If they don't know, I would say grain of salt, ask around basically and get additional referrals because that might be a side specialty for them. Uh, It's a very good question to ask. Now, different therapists will offer different techniques, but never be scared to ask them about what they're doing and why they're doing it. Uh, Some therapists might seem strange, or some of these techniques, uh, some therapists might seem strange too, but some therapists, some techniques might seem strange too. A good therapist will be pleased to explain why they're doing what they're doing. And that's, uh, it's important to note, by law, in most states, that's a part of the licensure and ethics is informed consent and being able to offer information about the therapy that we're doing. Uh, interventions and therapies need to be intentional. It's not just someone going in there and talking. And They're guiding you from a professional perspective and a modality that should be evidence-based. Um, in therapy, at least, that's what we're looking for. We want to make sure you're safe and this has a history of getting people better, not to be an experiment. All right, so number two... Make sure that you feel comfortable with the professionals and confident in their ability to help you. Number three, find out whether they're going to be available to you between sessions in case you need their help then. Now, um, that's a really good question to ask. As a coach, I do offer like text and email, but because coaching isn't therapy, we're not diving into deep things. Usually it's simple questions I can respond to in a text. For therapy... Um, I'm actually, I do get therapy myself. Uh, I think it's very responsible and necessary for therapists to do this. Uh, I go every Thursday from like two to three. And my therapist, uh, when I first started, it's like, all right, if you need to just check in, let me know. And um, now she was still getting to know me. I can self-manage very well. Uh, so I wasn't, didn't have any concerns. But she's like, yeah, text me if you need, you know, if you have a crisis. And a good therapists often will do that. If they have heavy caseloads or that's just not how they work, they'll tell you. So get to, it's nice to know that ahead of time so it's not a surprise. And if they're not qualified they can refer, or able to do that, they'll refer you. And that's the great thing about that. Okay. Uh, lastly on this part, good therapists will answer all of your questions and put you at ease. They won't expect you to do anything you don't want to do or talk about anything you don't feel comfortable talking about. 
They will understand that therapy needs to proceed at your speed and will let you uh, set the pace. One thing that might help you is to confront your traumatic memories, but experienced therapists will not push you to do this. Rather, they will help you do so when you're ready, in your own time, and at your own pace. Now, I have a caveat on this. I I do strongly believe that we have not thought and processed about the memories. We we need to do it at minimum at one time in a therapy session and be able to really process it. Some therapists, and this is my... I'm going to probably get into trouble with some therapists. They're not going to like me saying this. But some therapists, I believe, are not skilled in the post-traumatic growth part that we're talking here because they will allow you and encourage you to keep reliving the trauma. What happens when you do that is you pull the trauma up from memory, you talk about it, then you it'll your day is you know triggered you get days disrupted and things like that you go home you sleep it re-encodes the in, into memory they do it again the next week the same thing happens each time you do this re-encodes it also weakens the memory so then what you thought happens can actually change we can actually have false memories introduced during this point but worst of all you're activating those neurons over and over as if you hadn't relived them enough now you're creating that same panic and the traumatic brain, that arousal state. What they need to be doing is they need to take you into the doing things that you love, doing the good things like that. Um, there, in the previous, if you listen to um, the last section, uh, there was a lady who couldn't walk out on the streets. She went into her garden, started doing things that worked for her. Build on strengths. And to get your life back. As Survivor to Hero, we're committed and so is joseph to this moving people from victim to survivor once you're in survivor from my my philosophy is you're sometimes over looking over your shoulder and you're processing you don't want to be a survivor again you never want to be a victim again you're willing to fight and you know and take on those challenges but it's angry and it's anger and exhausting and the next step is the hero story where you really move on to thrive but if you're always reliving the trauma that doesn't happen so there's my soapbox getting off on that all right, he's got another section here. It says, and remember, therapists have probably been seeing individuals with similar problems to yours. Many people are afraid of exposing themselves emotionally, letting someone else see their shame, guilt, or disgust, or humiliation. They might even, I'm sorry, that's not what it said. It said, they think that they're only ones who feel this way. But the truth is, quite a few of us have these negative feelings, and thus, therapists will not be shocked or surprised by anything you can tell them. Traumatized people often have secrets, things that they don't want to talk about or talk with others about. Experienced therapists know this. Even so, remember that you only need to share with your therapist what you feel comfortable with. They shouldn't pressure you to talk about anything you don't want to discuss at the same time. However, try to be as open as possible as you can with your therapist about how you're feeling, particularly if you feel that you are losing touch with reality or going out of con- or out of control. I almost said out of consciousness, but that's some of the same thing. Or if you're becoming panicky, or if you're feeling you're experiencing any physical sensations or having any thoughts of hurting yourself or others. So remember those things. All right. So now we're moving to the the last section here, which is good because we're nearing the end of time medication. If you're experiencing such symptoms as sadness, anxiety, panic, attacks, your therapist may recommend that you support medication as well as talk therapy. If you think medication might be helpful, then go along with the suggestion. The most common medication 
used to treat PTSD is an adjunct of psychological therapy as uh, the antidepressants known as selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, SSRIs. That's also shifted a little bit, just FYI. There's some other ones out there too. Um, those are the SSRIs are most common. Some PTSD sufferers find these medications helpful, others do not. Bear in mind, SSRIs, some SRIs can have harmful effects such as nausea, diarrhea, abdominal discomfort, sexual dysfunction. None of those sound fun, and when I've been on SRIs, I never had any of those. If you are considering taking such medications, it is important that you discuss them with your therapist and general practitioner, your doctor. If after four to six weeks, because it takes about four to six weeks for the medication to kick in, you do not find the medication to be helpful, you should consider stopping. If, or you might consider stopping. You shouldn't, you don't have to, but you might. If so, discuss this with your practitioner. Use of medication is controversial. Some people do report it helps. In most cases, in PTSD and psycho psychological help, it is needed for recovery trauma. However, medication can also be considered any point in therapy. And then I'll just take it one step further. Uh, when you have certain brain arousals or level of anxiety, a medication can help balance out some of, uh, especially how long if you had a trauma for a long time, it can help balance out some of the symptoms. And then in combination with talk therapy, give you that little bit of extra edge to focus and stay functional. If this series uh, so far has been helpful for you, again, we just completed step one. We will be doing step two, three, four, five, and six. Uh, if this was helpful to you or anyone in your family who've shared it with or friends, uh, please go to our YouTube and post a comment. This is the appendix uh, audio file, so you just can post it under there and just let us know how we're doing. We'd love to make con continue to make content that supports you the best on your journey. Uh, we will be continuing to do new projects and that will evolve based off your feedback. So um, this, as, this is David Startouch, and I deeply appreciate uh, your support of this channel and uh, your, your thoughts and feelings on this. So thank you so very much for showing up and just taking the time to share your hero journey. Namaste.